0: Hi, I'm George techmanchov here with Easton Target podcast number 212. It's our wrap-up, our biannual wrap-up of the World Archery Championships. And of course, once again, I'm here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. Steve, what a week in Berlin.
1: Seemed like a really enjoyable week if you liked cooler weather in the
0: summer and rain and wind. Uh, talk about wind. My goodness. You know, there was a uh, a remarkable amount of wind really challenging conditions, particularly for the first qualification day, also for the first eliminations. Uh, And that is the reason why I think we had some, I guess you could say, unexpected people making it through to the end. We also, however, saw some people who didn't shoot well in qualifications show what they're really made of toward the end. We'll talk about all that.
1: Yeah, I think you had of the eight finalists, yes, there were some surprises in there um, because they're, you know, the the, the wind is the equalizer, it just created some interesting conditions. Uh, I think of our four world champions, you had four that were very deserving, shot really well, and I expect we'll see them to be continually
0: competitive throughout their careers. I completely agree. Some of those include the newest world champion for the women's compound division, the first for India, Aditi Swami. Um, 17 years old from India and, uh, you know, trains in like a sugarcane patch. And I, I would say that uh, that was maybe the uh, the Cinderella story of the event.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, she just came off winning world junior championships, correct?
0: Yes, sir. That's
1: right. That was the, the story there. And then, like we mentioned, all three of the indian women were in the finals Yeah. so she had to get through her teammates and you know just almost almost like shooting a national championship event for her i would imagine but uh yeah got through jothi and and
0: uh yeah just a real thing
1: was kind of everyone's consensus pick going into the finals
0: yeah mine too so she shot really well DT did she did. And I think it's a little bit of a testimony to the coaching chops of our good friend Sergio Pagny, don't you think?
1: I think when we look back at this and we say who's the biggest winner here, I think it's going to be Sergio. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he, had, he had very little hype around his uh entry into India as a as a coach. It was talked about a little bit. Yeah, but and- no. Yeah, not not uh, not a ton of, you know, circumstance around it. And then absolute performance from the Indian compound team across the board, men and women.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the the one the one note of disappointment may be that um, the media narrative around Aditi uh, is a false narrative regarding her being the youngest ever uh, senior world champion. That is absolutely not the case. Uh, The youngest ever Women's individual compound world champion is American archer Angela Moscarelli, who was 13 years old when she won the world championship in Jakarta, Indonesia. And that mistake on the part of, uh, you know, the media at that event has repercussions because now, if you do a Google search, you're going to find headlines from around the world proclaiming her as the youngest ever. And it's not uh, fun, you know. Yeah. It's unfortunate, you know. It, it kind of—it's not her fault. It has nothing to do with her. But uh, it's an unfortunate negative outcome is that, you know, the media- takes
1: away from Angela is what it does.
0: Well, yeah, obviously, you know, yeah. and in fact, Angela was a, a two time world champion as well. You know, um, she had taken the team round at that same event and then the following year went on to win the youth world championship. So, you know, at the age of 14. So, you know, that's a that's a really amazing story and one that is unfortunately kind of lost to antiquity because, um We'll just leave it at. I I don't think that it's fair to say that we only are now counting things from the quote modern era starting in two thousand six. Uh, that is the narrative that, that is being advanced now, and I'm I'm really thinking that that is shortchanging an awful lot of champions by doing that.
1: Yeah, I guess everyone uh, two thousand five and prior didn't happen, right? Nothing didn't
0: happened. count, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, feels that way.
1: Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm looking, uh I'm looking back to Aditi. Um I'm looking at her bracket, you know, she opened up against Sana de Lot of Netherlands with a 148 tie. And she shot the better 10 to move on. And then next up she's got Jyothi, her teammate. And she shoots a 149, Jyothi's 145. So Jyothi kind of fell off a little bit right there, maybe some nerves or something kicking in, you know. Um and then Aditi gets in the gold match against uh, Andrea Becer- Becerra, Maya, as they call her in Mexico. Yep. She drops another 149. She misses, I think it was her last arrow or, or thereabouts. Uh, it was in the last end. She shot a 29. So
0: Beat Andrea by two.
1: Yeah, just crushing through the rounds too. Shooting really, really well. Yeah, it's very the, high. Very high level. You know, it's a, whole different, it's a whole different game right now. I would not want to be you could have very good shooters who are just never going to get a a crack at a gold medal because there's enough, there's enough volume of very good shooters that it's always going to be very difficult, you know? And it, I guess that's always been the case to a point, but the standard is just higher now. And when anytime you're bumping against the ceiling of perfect, it, it makes it harder and you have a higher volume of people doing that. You know, it just makes it harder for, for everyone when one mistake is so costly now.
0: It's interesting that, in you know, the 50 meter game is what defines compound these days. And um, everybody in that final shot Easton Pro Tours, X10 Pro Tours. And uh, when you look at that, you realize the weather was not ideal. You know, there were wind gusts up to, uh, oh, 12, 17 miles an hour in some cases. Some rain started, especially during the recurves. And Um, that is where an arrow like that comes through is, is when the weather is not perfect, you know,
1: absolutely. It's, uh, it's a scoring ring difference, an X-10 to a four millimeter type shaft, say the Pro Comp or, you know, basically anything that any other brand is making their, their outdoor arrows are typically a four millimeter. Um, and when you can aim i mean i've tested it if it's an aimable wind so i can still choose where i want to aim you know and, and fairly well execute a shot without getting bucked around by the wind an x10 drifts uh a half you know a 10 a 10 ring less so it'll go center of 10 to edge of 10 whereas pro comp will go center of 10 to nine ring. so yeah it's it's a big difference and you can't you can't compete with without it really i mean that's uh Whenever people would ask me for arrow recommendations, like, well, what do you want to, what game are you playing? They're like, well, I kind of shoot a little bit of everything outdoor archery, you know, all right. Are you really serious about 50 meters? Ah, I want to do it, but it's not what I, you know, it's not what I want to focus on. Cool. get Eastern pro comp best arrow for you. They say, I want to go make the U S archery team or USAT junior team or something like that. Okay. You, you need to have, an the x10 or an x10 pro tour like it's a it's a must it's just too big of an advantage
0: to give up when points matter yeah
1: yeah and people will think like all oh, those are really expensive arrows and i'm like it's kind of interesting a consumer mindset that you know they'll look at an arrow that's 250 dollars and go all right cool but then one that's 450 dollars, they kind of hesitate about it. and i'm like that 200 difference you make that up i mean if you want to go shoot tournaments and travel around, you can easily find 200 dollars in savings, but to give it up in your equipment, that's the last place I will give up cost savings in my archery career is in my equipment. The last place. You know, I will do it everywhere else before I do it in my equipment.
0: We had another unexpected champion in the men's compound category. You had uh basically the cream of the crop in the uh finals. You had Guys like Mike Schlusser, Kim Jong Ho. And then you had the uh the real fun story of this event. You had a shooter from Poland, Lukasz Przbilski, and you had Ojas Deotale. When we looked at that bracket, we went, Yeah, Mike's got a, you know, real good chance of winning this thing. Um, you know, I, I know that Mike has issues sometimes on last arrows when it comes into high pressure events, but you know, generally speaking, Mike has consistently been able to deliver over the years. However, in the quarterfinals, we saw the shooter from India, Mr. Deotali, beat Prezlemska Koneczki of Poland, uh, 148 to 144. So, in compound terms, an overwhelming victory. victory. Yeah. Then a one-point win against Mike Schluser in the semifinal, putting Mike into the bronze medal match and putting himself into the gold medal match. Uh, then you had Lucas Presbilski making the gold medal match, finding himself up against Ojas De Otale, having beaten the great shooter from uh, Korea, Kim Jong-ho. When you yeah, look at that 149, situation... You know,
1: yeah. 149, 148 over Kim Jong-ho. It's... Yeah. Uh,
0: it's crazy. You can't can't give up a point to your point no, earlier can't, about yeah, arrow. We'll get you to know, that later. The can't afford a point. You cannot give up a single point at this level. It's just not, a, not available to you. You don't have the leeway. Because Diotale shot a perfect score in the final to beat Przbilski of Poland by a, only a single point. If that had come down to a shootoff, who knows what could have happened. But it didn't. Diotale, Never 51. dropped never dropped a single point.
1: It's nuts. The uh the glass ceiling of 150s was broken a few years ago, if I remember right. Where yep. well, what's interesting is Rio did it once in the finals against uh Dietmar Trillis, mm-hmm. and then it happened again. I think the next time it happened was on a televised one, I think they said it was Jimmy Lutz. Now, I, I don't know what other stipulations or eras are involved in in uh, deciding that was the first 150, but Jimmy did it, I think, in a gold medal match at a World Cup. And then it's been happening more and more frequently since. Like it's almost a requirement now. Yep. Usually, the gold medal match, you you know, you can go shoot a 147 and 148 and be pretty confident that might do it or at least get you a shoot off and now 147 is going to lose almost a guarantee and 148 you better be really lucky you need a 149 150 absolutely
0: it's pretty obvious that uh, Przbilski and the rest of the polish archers have been working hard since yankton Przbilski himself had gone out in the uh, 132nd pass in yankton and so coming back to this uh, and winning a silver medal is is a great accomplishment
1: You know, I've seen the a lot of these guys from the Polish team, including Lukas, and I don't ever remember them as being competitive. You know, I've seen him around for so long. And then they've, yeah, they've got something going. So they they are either committed to training or they've, you know, got someone who's helping them with technique and tuning and all that fun stuff or, you know, a little bit of everything, which is what I imagine it probably is. They've just got it. figured out right now as a team
0: yeah they pretty well delivered when they needed it having won the team round earlier in the week so really uh outstanding accomplishment there on other recurves um boy i'll tell you the recurve weather was not perfect um by the time compounds had finished and the next day the recurves started the weather was a lot more variable you saw gusty winds you saw rain at, and by the time the gold medal round came around for the men you had fairly heavy rain and um, we'll get to that. But what a great story. Marie Orochkova of the Czech Republic just shot so well.
1: She, I mean, I look back at what Kim Woo-jin did in last year's World Cup final. And I'd have to look back and actually check the scores. I think she she may have been at a similar arrow average as Kim Woo-jin. I mean, it was probably just dominating just one of the most dominating finals performances i've ever seen yeah and through all three matches i mean she shot she won 6-0 all of them she shot 29 29 29 the first match to beat lim sheet lim si Hyun of korea she shot 30, 29 30 29 to beat uh
0: satsuki nota from yeah, ja-
1: satsuki nota from japan and then she went 29
0: 28 29 to, to
1: go six for Alejandra Valencia just yeah just destroying it 29 Alejandra. so you know what is that 9.67 arrow average
0: yeah and by the way Alejandra was absolutely no slouch in her uh half of the bracket uh 28 29 28 29 to beat Tomomi Sugimoto of Japan um and then she beat Casey Kauffold who had taken out Ansan for the second time now, Casey versus Ansan, Casey winning 6-4, 29-28, 28-27, 28-28, 29-30 for Ansan, and then 29-29. Casey just dropping it on on Ansan again, which has got to be a tough thing for Ansan, you know, having faced Casey twice now and lost twice now, um, you know, since Yankton. Uh, then Alejandra beat Casey on a shootoff in the semifinal Alejandra with a six, five win over Casey after a shootoff. So, Hey, you know what? Kudos to Casey Koffel taking it this far, taking it to the semifinals. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, there's a certain amount of adrenaline involved in, in having accomplished what she did. She didn't manage to pull through in the bronze medal match with, uh, Satsuki Noda of Japan beating Casey 6 2 in the bronze. But Marie Horichkova beat Lim Si of Korea 6 0. Satsuki Noda beat Kang the Destroyer 5 6. Casey Koffel beat An San 6 4, making it the first time in my <laughs> practical memory that we didn't have a Korean in at least the semifinals in one of these events.
1: I can't remember them, uh, not winning a medal, you know, yeah. and if you had told me, all right, there's eight women left. Three of them are from Korea. Their whole team is through. And by the way, they're qualified two, three, four. So, you know, they're, <laughs> they're on opposing sides of the bracket. Um, you,
0: you gotta go back 12 years to Turin the world championship in Torino, uh, um, in 2011
1: so it's happened in recent memory
0: well yeah i mean modern era um (laughs) yes the modern era so
1: but anyhow i i would have bet a lot and i would like to always wonder like what if archery was getting bet on in vegas and the the bookies the the sports books were creating odds what would their odds be for a bet of a korean wins a medal you know they see the they see the finals come in. They see three out of the eight are from Korea. Then they set the, the odds. I think it would have been, you know, terrible odds. Like, sure. As a
0: better. Wouldn't have know, paid much is your point. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. As a, If you're betting, you probably, you know, bet a hundred bucks to win three or something like that.
0: Yeah. yeah you end up with a $102. Um, <laughs> so yeah.
1: So Vegas would have cleaned up on this. Sure. You no, know, it would have been huge because I would have bet my house that a Korean would
0: win a medal well i mean look at this two years ago they won the individual and the team titles now they not just not no medals no olympic quota places out of berlin yeah they've got to go do that still so and and to you know to be fair they've got plenty of chances to do that and you know you're not going to see a situation where you're not going to see a korean team for both men and women and yeah it just doesn't world rank play in yeah world rank plays in as well as Asian games coming up next month. Yeah. Um I'm sure
1: they'll make it by world rank at the very least. So. I wouldn't
0: be shocked if they held another trials event to decide who's going <laughs> to go.
1: <laughs> New team, yeah.
0: I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But Marie, but, back to Marie. Yeah. She was like, just, dominant. just dominant.
0: She just man. shot so well. Um, you know, shooting uh Really, it's only that, you know, if you think about this, it's only the third time that the Czech Republic has won a qualifier for the Olympic games for women's recurve. So that is, that is tremendous. A great oh,
1: it should, be, should be that team for life. Like they'll, they'll continue to send her to the, you know, we talked a little bit in previous shows about team or countries that just select a person and there's people like that. And in, in a country, you know, like that, that, They're just going to pick her. She's going to be on the team forever.
0: Yep. As long as she continues to do what she's doing, she's absolutely the biggest fish in that pond. And um, just a great job against Alejandro Valencia, who shot really well all the way through. And of course, uh, you know, Olympic slots for Czech Republic, for Mexico, for Japan. And Casey Koffold landed an Olympic slot for the United States.
1: Right. So... The U.S. has an Olympics slot. If you're a listener, don't confuse that with Casey's qualified for the Olympics because she'll still have to go through our trials process. Correct. And, and earn, you know, if it's one or if they
0: get three later, she's still got to earn her position. Yeah. Within the U.S. team. But she is by far our best shooter right now in the women's category.
1: Yeah. And I think she's, you know, maintained the U.S. number one rank for, I don't know. Four or five years now. Five years. I don't know. And
0: at the same time, I, you know, I really feel like she has helped elevate the other women. I really do.
1: There's you know, no doubt.
0: Like, great. No doubt. Yeah. You know, I, I'd say this is one of the best U.S. team performances for the women's recurve in in uh, many years. So.
1: Yeah, they would have qualified in previous previous formats. They would have qualified a team.
0: Correct. Yes. If they hadn't changed the rules as to how high you have to finish to yeah. get your olympic slots uh they would have just done it out right here they have their chance at pan ams and of course through the the world ranking process so
1: i do i do like the way they change those qualification procedures for teams um you know sometimes we can be we need to give credit to world archery i think and i do maybe that's just my opinion everyone might disagree with me but when it used to be make top eight and your whole team qualifies it's like well It's not a whole lot to, you know, look at the rest of the year, and it kind of takes some of the value away from Pan Ams and Asian games and European games and things like that. So.
0: Yeah, but also what else it does, it dilutes the quality. What's that? It dilutes quality.
1: Yeah, when it's just all in.
0: If you're looking at Team 7 or Team 8 that earned a slot, the lowest-ranked shooters on those teams do not belong in an Olympic stadium. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, well, I mean they're gonna eventually qualify a slot, it's just they're gonna do it at a you know a different
0: maybe, but maybe they're more likely to only get one slot. Yeah, it could be true. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're your number eight, your number seven teams that would have gotten a team round before. So okay, you
1: got... I get what you're saying. Yeah, they might have just hey, we we got it. we snuck a win at worlds and we're in.
0: Yeah. Now
1: I'm like you gotta get a win somewhere, a real right.
0: win. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So so I, I got you. Understand.
0: So actually, I'm in agreement with you that. WA did improve that situation. It's going to end up filtering out. Steve, you've been to the Olympics. I've I've been to uh well, I guess I can say I've been to two in the modern era, but you know, six Olympic Games. And you're looking at a situation where honestly, one third of that field doesn't belong there.
1: It's kind of always the case. And
0: it's going to cut down on that.
1: Yeah. It that's why, like this world championship win for Meta is far more impressive to me than an olympic win the only difference being you know the the timeline whereas in olympics you only get one shot at it yeah and you know every four years and you get one every two years with world championships but the difficulty of going and performing there's there's more archers at the world champs that are better now i might even argue that certain world cups are the most difficult to win because you add four people from certain teams that are very good instead of three but that's neither here nor there because there's more
0: frequency to those so but you're correct
1: yeah but in terms of just what tournament's the hardest to win i mean sometimes that's probably Antalya world cup yeah you know
0: yeah by the way that's a good segue to the men's recurve because uh we haven't yet talked about them
1: oh i spilled the beans on I'm meta.
0: Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> your uh, semifinalists for uh, for the men were Arif Pangestu of Indonesia, Fumia Saito of Japan, Steve Weiler of Netherlands, Eric Peters of Canada, Marcus de Almeida of Brazil, Kim Jadok of Korea, Meta Gadzos of Turkey, and Ricardo Soto of Chile. Now, when you look at the quarterfinals, uh, your winners, by one point, you had Arif Pangestu beating his uh, opponent from Japan. You had Marcus de Almeida, the mustache from Brazil, mustachio, beating Kim Jidok 6 0, which was a surprise to me. And then you had Meta Gadzos beating Ricardo Soto of Chile 6 2, not a surprise there. But uh, you also had Eric Peters of Canada beating Steve Weiler 6 4. Now that was a surprise. And Eric did it again in the semifinals. He beat Mr. Pangestu of Indonesia 6 4. Meta beat. Marcus 7 three
1: that was and, the, that was probably the biggest match I would say
0: yes meta dropped a 28 29 28 28 29. Marcus had a 28 29 28 the difference here a seven. 27 yep. and then a 28.
1: yeah so it's a two-point difference yep. over 15 arrows and that was a really that was truly a great match I yep. think Marcus Marcus came on so you know I'm gonna just go away from what we were talking about and talk about Marcus for a second, but he came on the scene so strong, like what, 2014 or thereabouts 2015.
0: Yeah. Really made some improvements. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He did really well. And then he kind of faded away and he has come back, uh, with just
0: total vengeance. Like you know, I don't know if it's a comeback that started two years ago in Yankton, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, Yankton, he made the finals there and then, you know, he won that World Cup recently and he's just been uh, he's been a, a threat and a competitor to win every medal at every event he's been at the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and he ranked third cool at team. this event in the
0: qualifying round in absolute crap weather with a 682. Uh, you know, he was the highest ranked guy in the quarterfinals. And, yeah, he and you know, I mean, he shot well.
1: Shot really well he again just cool to see him you know persevere and, and uh deal with those low points and now he's at a higher point in his career than he's ever been
0: mm-hmm. yep agreed marcus beating arif pangestu of indonesia 6-4 in the bronze medal final so now you've got yourself a final it's metagatzos of turkey versus uh eric peters of canada 27 to start for meta 28 to start for eric Thirty from Meta as a response, a twenty-eight again from Eric. A twenty-eight for Meta. Eric drops a twenty-four.
1: Yeah, I I watched that end and I can't remember exactly what happened. I think he had a seven, an eight, and a nine. Does that sound like the correct match? Yeah, I think yeah. he opened with a seven, and uh you know, but then then he bounced back from that.
0: Kind of walked it in because he ended up with a thirty on the next stage while Meta had a twenty-eight.
1: Yeah. So now yeah. it's like, this is it. Like this end decides it, right? Or we're going to a shootoff.
0: But... Correct. And so Meta delivers a 29. Eric delivers a 28. Job done. Meta Gazos is yeah. your world champion.
1: And Meta was shooting first. So he went, I think he went 10. Eric shot a 10. I believe he shot. I believe they, he shot a nine. Meta did think eric may have shot an eight he did and then uh meta closed with a 10 knew he had won and uh you know eric still had one arrow in the bow but it was it was effectively over at that point so
0: yeah it went uh 10 8 x for eric 10 9 10 for meta on that last end
1: but really good for eric for getting out and you know i don't think any of these genius prognosticators that we are picked
0: him. No, absolutely not.
1: Through Steve Weiler, let alone into the gold medal match and have it one end away from winning.
0: Yeah, we were wrong. I would say that, uh, you know what? That's why we have the event.
1: I hope he continues to, to compete at a high level like that. I hope he can. Nice to see. Yeah. yeah. Our friends from the North, you know, we've seen Crispin Duenas medal at world championships and, uh but there there hasn't been – there's not a ton of depth maybe in the Canadian team. And you
0: No. Know, over the years, they've had a lot of talent. You know, yeah. um, every five or ten years, a really good Canadian archer comes along. But, uh, you know, Sylvain Cadu may be the most recent guy that uh, had performed at this level um, in this case, uh, or Dave Dalziel. Uh, but you're looking at, um, you know, a new era maybe up in Canada if Eric and uh, his teammates can – Continue this momentum, yeah. Metagazos really, you know. And and by the way, congratulations on shooting an X on your last arrow at the World Championship, Eric. That was that was epic. Metagazos winning with a a twenty-nine on that last end six-four victory. Metagazos joining a short list of people who have been the current Olympic champion and then becoming the world champion. It's not a long list of folks who've done that.
1: And he is just cementing himself as. A all-time great, I think, like especially you know, throughout he's a good qualifier, um, but he's incredibly strong in the matches. I think I think at the Olympics he was like the eighth seed or thereabouts. Yeah. And um, I could be wrong on that, but you know, he wasn't one of the highest seeds here and Again, not bad in qualification. The guy, I think, has shot 698 before. So Yeah,
0: he was the 10th seed at uh, Berlin. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about the seeding in the qualification round is with the conditions they had, wind gusts of up to 30-something miles an hour, 50-something kilometers an hour, uh, that does upend expectations on the, you know, significance of the ranking round. You really had a uh, a lot of good shooters who were ranked lower than they should have been. If it had been reasonable conditions, I think you would have seen a a more canonical, more expectant situation, but you just, you know, everything got upended by that situation. So,
1: yeah. But
0: if you look at meta
1: here, he had a quote with world archery. He said, I hope I can win the world title. This is before, obviously said, I am just focusing on my, on myself. Meta against meta is my hardest match. He's got a different outlook, right? Other guys are going, who am I shooting doing? Some blah blah blah. And what did that guy do? And he's like, No, I'm shooting my arrows and trying to just be as perfect as I can. And look at the outcome. He just moves through. Absolutely. On your opponent, it'll just tighten you up every time.
0: But being his own opponent, being of that mindset is so valuable in an individual sport like ours.
1: And he can do that a little more freely than others because he's got an Olympic gold medal. Like no one's taken that away, you know? So these other guys are trying to attain a title of world champion or Olympic champion and trying to get somewhere and do something. And he's already there, you know, and and once you're there, I think it's easier to stay on top.
0: I agree. Biggest winners from this event, Steve, what what do you see as the biggest winners from Berlin? Uh,
1: Two things. I'd say one is the recurve women. I think they have uh, proven to themselves that Korea is not an an unbeatable force, you know, and just as a whole, I think they have a a greater self-belief in in their ability to compete with them. Sure. And, And this proves it to those who, you know, maybe didn't get to do it themselves. They go, oh, okay, they are beatable. You know, they're not unstoppable and then uh second winner for me is Sergio Pony, 100% as and the Indian Federation you know as uh, him as a coach and and them with a willingness to invest in in a guy who's got probably I don't know Sergio's technical knowledge I I don't know that I I you know I I'm, I'm not sure that's his specialty I think his specialty is he understands how to compete he understands how to shoot And he understands how to do that under the biggest stage because he's a a winner himself, you know, and he's he's been clutch many a time before. So he's he's passing that along to the Indian compound team and their willingness to invest in him is, is working out.
0: I thoroughly agree with your assessment. Biggest winners in my mind are, first off, you've got to give kudos to the German Shooting Federation, the Deutsche Schützenbund, for putting on a great world championship. By all accounts, it uh, it ran very smoothly. It's not their fault. The weather wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Jörg Brokamp, uh, becoming first vice president of world archery uh, as the leader of that organization, I think we're going to see great things. Germany is already the biggest federation in our sport. They have more shooters right now than any other, uh, including France. Second is I, I got to give a shout out to Casey Koffold for doing what she was able to do, winning that Olympic slot and beating Ann San again. Um, I, yeah, I, I yeah. don't think you can, you know, take anything away from her on that one. Uh, she
1: did say, you know, usually ending up fourth just totally stinks or something like that, but yep, you know, knowing she got the Olympic slot for the, the U S and she was, she could take a little bit of solace in that. And yeah, Casey is uh you know, she's proven to herself again that she can get there and compete and, you know, some of the ball bounces a little bit differently. And she might be, you know, at minimum on the podium or even in a gold medal match, something like that.
0: Yeah. And then the other big winner, of course, I'm going to echo what you said, India, uh, just really bringing it on the compound side. Now, we're, we have seen a fall off on the recurve side, to be fair. But yeah, when it comes to compound, India is ascendant. And, uh, they
1: weren't even really—I uh, don't know if we even mentioned them throughout the week in recurve, right? But they lost a couple of their better archers, you know, and uh, a ton of das and deepika Kumari, and doesn't doesn't look like they've quite found uh, the right people in the right form to get back up there and compete. But I'm sure they will, and there's you know enough volume there in the uh, Olympic or the Sorry, the Indian Archery Federation, there's a lot of people shooting and, and they'll they'll find some people.
0: Well, you know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned here from what they did with the compounds. They brought in somebody, Sergio Ponyi in this case, with the experience to win, with the knowledge of how to impart it clearly. They already have a great work ethic. Maybe that's what they need to apply to recurve. Some unanimity of coaching and, you know, somebody that really can move the needle Yeah, can be done because they do have the talent
1: yeah and it's it's a interesting thing right now because i think the standard in in coaching selection for recurves the last you know decade maybe even more has been to gravitate towards finding a korean coach yep you know and that's what everyone has kind of gone and done but everyone has kind of gone and done that and it's worked for some certainly i mean um and then you can break it down to an even more micro level where like let's take let's take coach Lee and his system in the U.S. I think it works for some archers and I think it's completely wrong for others. So, you know, you can't just say, well, it's a Korean coach and apply a blanket that they're going to, you know, work for everybody because there's quite a few different techniques between
0: Korean coaches as well. So maybe it's not the technique so much as it's the mind game.
1: That's what I'm thinking. I I think that's, uh, you know, a little bit of, I believe that's what you're seeing out of Sergio. I think he's got him prepared to go and be winners. And, I agree. And uh, you know, technique is whatever you can do things a hundred different ways and and get a pretty good outcome. Just go look at a go look at a men's compound. You know, line up at any point and you'll see guys who look textbook. You'll see guys who look like they're doing everything wrong, and the scores will be everywhere in between. So.
0: Well, I'll put it this way. I'd pay real money to have Ansan's technique. Right. But being able to apply it when you have to, that's the issue.
1: Yeah. And would, would anyone ever coach, uh, you know, real wilds form? I don't think they would, but not
0: even Rio would coach that form.
1: I don't know, but you would, you would coach the results he got out of it. Oh yeah. You would love to have those. So, um, and you could say the same about a lot of guys, you know, and, uh, So, yeah, I think, you know, going back to it, you know, yeah, maybe they do take the approach of shaking up some coaching stuff or or I don't know. I don't know. There's there's too much dynamic to that for me to judge. I don't know what they've got coming up in the junior ranks. I know nothing about Korea or uh, Indian recurve archery right now.
0: Now the uh, the next category, if you're going to talk about biggest winners, are those who had biggest opportunities and didn't capitalize on them. And uh, unfortunately, I I don't think we can be honest and not mention Korea here.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I don't want to say biggest. We have biggest winners. I don't want to say biggest losers.
0: But yeah, no, that's not what I meant at all. Yeah. <laughs> people who people who had an opportunity but weren't able to capitalize yeah. on it would be how I'd yeah. put it.
1: Unfulfilled uh dreams uh <laughs> yeah you, you'd have to say the korean women at the same time i don't think they should panic and you know fire sell and do everything different and you know like you, you oh, might be having a new trials process or something like that i think they just didn't have a good week and that can happen when you're in conditions like these so i would uh them i'd probably just Lean into the strengths that they have and go to Asian Games and win that and qualify a team and uh, and you know then that narrative's gone and then they get to the Olympics and probably win again because if you're betting today, who's your bet on for recurve women's gold at Paris Olympics?
0: Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah,
1: so you know nothing changed that much, but yeah, it's disappointing for them to go to the, to a World Championships and walk away with uh, less than they're accustomed to.
0: Another opportunity was basically better media coverage or more accurate media coverage. There were narratives through the week that, you know, were disappointing to see if you know anything about the game. When when they interview Meta and they bill that as he could become the first person to be a two-time Olympic champion. And then they changed it to first man and got it wrong in both cases. Right. <laughs> I mean, the first man was Daryl Pace. I guess that wasn't the modern era, but come on, really? Seriously? That is such a cop-out to, to to proclaim 2006 as your demarcation line.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, it's okay to make a mistake, you know? I really, and as media- 100%. I make mistakes, everything.
0: You, you darn well know it. But
1: but, you know, with everything going on and how busy uh, World Championship Week is, there's going to be mistakes, I think. Sure. You know,
0: but uh, mistakes sure. of that magnitude from the people responsible for preserving the heritage of our sport is disappointing. All right. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah.
1: And there's an opportunity to correct those mistakes, too. So yeah.
0: correct them in a better way than redefining what matters and what doesn't as 2006.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh,
0: all right. Too early, but, you know, uh, when we look at Asian Games coming up next month, I, I believe you will see a resurgence of Korea. But you know what? When it comes to the compounds, oh boy, India, they're going to be a big roadblock for Korea's uh, ambitions at Asian Games. They
1: are. And I didn't notice, I don't think Iran was at the World Championships.
0: I didn't see them there, no.
1: Will they be at Asian Games?
0: Uh, probably.
1: That's weird to me. I don't, I don't know. I would guess if they're going to skip world championships, they would skip Asian games as well, but they've always been pretty competitive and compound.
0: Oh yeah. That's
1: why I'm wondering like what's going on there. Men's And women's. Yeah. So that's strange, but uh, yeah.
0: Another uh, step of course, is to look ahead for almost one full year. I mean, we'll be right in the middle of the archery competition exactly one year from now in Paris at Les milad um but if we had to predict right now who's got momentum meta has got momentum
1: he's got momentum i'm gonna say it doesn't work out in his favor just because you know it's rare. That's a different pressure yeah has anyone ever went olympic champion world champion olympic champion
0: daryl pace would have if we had been able to go to the olympic games in 1980 but no nobody's done it so if i had to
1: bet now you know, i've been talking a lot about gambling and whatnot here
0: i don't really do it but if I had to bet like, now, we'd like we'd like it if it, if it were popular enough yeah, to,
1: it we're, yeah, yeah if archery could hit the the vegas sports book i would go you know throw some shekels down i, don't think I wouldn't
0: I'd but i'll tell hard. you that i would enjoy the fact that there might be some uh outside non-endemic interest in our sport that would allow for right.
1: that yeah be. please anything is better than what we're working with now so I would pick on the women's side. Man, that's a tough one.
0: I think I, we're gonna see Casey on a podium, Steve. I'm just gonna say it. An Olympic podium? I could see yeah. that. I'm um, gonna see. I, I'm gonna say it right now. Yeah, I could 100% see Casey there. I think we're gonna see. Um, if anybody's gonna repeat, it could be Ansan.
1: She could. She's been. She's been at the bottom of the of the Korean team recently. However,
0: she's yeah, well, one of the few the who's
1: won an Olympic gold and then made the Korean team the next year. Usually they don't, you know? So I'm going to take, I've given Kang Che Young a lot of chances. She hasn't come through for that big Olympic, or that big championship moment. But I'm going to take her, Kang the Destroyer.
0: My absolutely insane wild card. I think we're going to see Kibo Bay make the team. And I think we're going to see Kibo Bay in the finals at the Olympic games in Paris. Oh, uh,
1: that now that would, that would generate some Olympic interest. Yes.
0: Right. All right. On the men's side, I'm going to tell you right now on the men's side, I believe either Meta wins the thing again, or we're going to see somebody win this thing that hasn't won it before.
1: Or been, you know, know,
0: been, been a contender before.
1: Yeah. Been a contender.
0: We're going to see a new, you know, an Eric Peters style situation.
1: All right. I'm going to go with a, man, this is tough. I'm going to give three names and I'm not saying these three are all podium. I'm going to say these three have a chance to, to get there. Den Habgen from Slovenia. Yeah. Steve Weiler. That's not too big of a stretch. I agree. And oh, I had another name in my, oh, and
0: Baptiste. Where's this? I gotta remember. Oh, from ago. France. From France. Mm. Baptiste, Addis, I think it is. Interesting choice. Let me find it. Home turf. I mean, it's there's something you said for home turf. It's quite kind of why I'm
1: going there. Yeah. The old
0: formula was if you hosted the Olympic Games you were going to bring medals home. We saw that in China, for example, you know, shocking victory by a woman in China to, you know, win the gold medal final against a Korean shooter in China. We saw a little bit of that in uh, Sydney, of course. We saw a lot of that in Sydney with Simon Fairweather. Didn't see it in 04 with the Greeks. Uh, But then again, you know, Brazil, we saw the emergence of the mustache. Uh, He didn't take it where he wanted to, but, you know, shot well. I would suggest that, you know, if you're talking about French shooters, France does have a pool of talent. Uh, I predict we may see some of that talent continue to roll forward as the upcoming year progresses. However, I don't think that they're in a better position right now than say people's republic of china shooters were back in 2008 yeah you right, right, had right. a couple more years maybe but remember this was a short olympic cycle this time it's gonna to be yeah. tough France. it's gonna be difficult
1: i believe in my guy baptiste though okay so all right that's a again it's a dark horse too early prediction oh. uh, again if you're making me put my money on it uh, it'd be hard not to bet on meta right now but you know that's the hot bet Marcus, Meta, Kim Woo Jin.
0: Kim Woo Jin. Yeah. I mean, Kim Kim, absolutely.
1: this might, this is probably his last chance at it, right?
0: Well, I wouldn't put anything past him. I mean, look at uh, Ojin Hyuk. Yeah. Know, I guess oh, right Steve now.
1: When, how old is Kim Woo Jin? He's 31.
0: Yeah. So he's still got like eight good years ahead.
1: Yeah. So this probably is not his last Olympics, but <laughs>
0: and he hasn't
1: made the team, right? I mean, we're assuming he's going to make the team. They're really good. He may, he may shoot really well, continue to be one of the best archers in the world and never make an Olympic team again.
0: And then again, he may win Paris. He might win Paris and
1: he might win LA and then he might retire and then decide on a whim. He's coming back for 2032. The compound bow. <laughs> yeah, and win a team round and say over as he fires the last arrow. Ojin Jim style.
0: Gonna throw out some random names for you. Uh Jean-Charles Valadant on his home turf at what probably will be his last Olympics.
1: Yeah, it we'll see. If, you know, he's got to make team. My my belief is still in Baptiste.
0: Okay. Baptiste Adis. Yep. Uh again, I think John Charles Valadant has the depth of experience to to be able to do great things. Steve Weiler, I agree with you. Uh I believe Kim Jadok has not yet. Brought his full potential to the game. That's true. Maro Thank Nespoli is nice. going to be at least a spoiler. I think Takaharu Furukawa has got another podium in him. Um, I believe we may actually see Jackson Mirich be a factor if he maintains his current trajectory, the American archer.
1: Yeah, I could see that too. And we can't write off Brady. I mean, he might just peak at the right time. You know, it's, I agree. He, he, uh, it's probably bad to, you take a guy that accomplished and he doesn't have a great world championships and we don't even mention him, you know, who's
0: got more experience on that field right now. And he might win in Paris
1: world cup in two weeks time, you know, and then you're going, Oh, look at that.
0: Yeah. And that is another factor glad you mentioned it because the next big event is the paris world cup followed by the asian games so the paris world cup could very well be very revelatory of course it's uh, you know you just, <laughs> a lot of people are still going to be a little shell-shocked after the conditions in berlin it might take some of these especially compound shooters a couple of weeks to get over what they had to deal with
1: yeah i i <laughs> i wouldn't want to have to go through all that so
0: all in all, a great event put on by um, the German Shooting Federation. I believe that uh, this one's going to go down in the history books for things like the tremendous accomplishment of Team India in the compounds. Marie Horitzkova, a worthy world champion from Czech Republic, Mette gadzos maintaining his trajectory as world champion now as the standing Olympic champion. Um, lots of winners lots of opportunities for improvement Uh, and the game goes on with paris coming up in a couple weeks steve
1: yep i i hope we get to see more events in berlin i always really enjoyed that one when i was competing and and uh they do a really great job at hosting and it's never been super great in terms of weather conditions but I don't think it'll be, you know, could it be worse? I don't think so, <laughs> you know. So let's go back there and give it one more try. Well, there was Bellick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bellick was
0: terrible, so. All right. Well, I, I'd say that that is a wrap. And for the final word. Hasta la vista, baby.